Praise God. Go ahead, turn with me in your Bibles. Jonah, tonight we've actually gone through a couple of the minors. Started looking at the majoring at the minor prophets. And we looked at Obadiah. And uh, we got to Amos, took a right. If we went to Jonah too far, you got to back up, get back to Obadiah. And then we went last week to the book of Joel. And how we need to go out and tell our families, tell the community, tell the neighbors, tell everybody that Jesus Christ is coming, sounding that trumpet. We need to sound the trumpet. This week, we probably get to one of the most uh, well-known minor of the minor prophets. Jonah, everybody knows, as soon as you get to say, if you say the name Jonah or go to the book of Jonah, everyone knows that we go and we talk about the great fish that swallowed Jonah. And uh, my wife loves this word, but it's in the Bible, so I get to use it, praise the Lord. Vomited him out. She said, would you please not use that word? I said, it's biblical, baby. It's biblical. So uh, he vomited him out upon dry land, and then he was able, and he was given a second chance, praise the Lord, to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to preach the gospel of God. And then he's uh, going through, but it, it, we all know that. And this is, to be honest with you, that's not the count of Jonah is not a problem uh, for you to think of that and for your mind to go that way because that is a miraculous, absolutely amazing miracle that God performed. I don't ever want to have to spend three days in the belly of a great fish, whale, anything. But a miracle of God that he did this. Boy, thrown overboard, swallowed by the great fish, and then even Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, well, Jonah, that really didn't happen. Well, then you're calling God, Jesus Christ himself, a liar. Because Jesus refers, in Matthew chapter number 12, to Jonah spending three days in the belly of a whale, belly of a great fish. Uh, we can go forth and you want to debate whether it was a great fish, whether it was a whale, whether it was whatever. I, I, it could have been a minnow for all I care. God did it, praise God. So therefore, God performed that miracle. God said he prepared that fish. And we go through and the main theme though is missed a lot of times when we begin to look at the book of Jonah. We get so caught up in that miracle that God performed. Jonah disobeys, he runs from God, pays the fare, pays the price goes down into a place and he goes to uh, sail towards Tarshish. The men get scared and everyone says, well, what are we going to do? We're going to throw everything overboard. And he says, guys, just throw me overboard and everything will be all right. They didn't want to do that. We preached not long ago, probably about a year ago, a year or so ago, triumph and tri uh, from tragedy. A lot of times we look at that tragedy that Jonah, a lot of men, I, I don't know if those men ever saw, those sailors ever saw Jonah again. I don't know if they ever heard that Jonah was ever able to be coming out. But it says that they made vows to God, that they dedicated themselves to God. And from the tragedy that they saw, a triumph came out of that, that those men were brought to God. And that's a great thing that we see. But then chapter number two, we see that he begins to pray. He begins to ask God, help me. God, forgive me. I know that I've done wrong. Let me go. Let me do what you want me to do, desire to do. Now, number one, just mind God from the start and you won't ever wind up in the belly of a fish. But number two, if you do go the wrong direction and turn back to God as quick as you can because God is a merciful God. Because that's what the whole, really, truly, the whole theme of Jonah really, truly is. The whole theme of Jonah is the mercy of God. How God has been so good to not only the people of Israel, not only to Jonah, but the people of Nineveh. 
God was good to them as well. If you will, turn with me to Jonah chapter number 1. Look at verse number 1 with me in the first chapter. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. God, I pray that you'd use us, Lord, this evening. Lord, I pray that you'd just touch God during this service. Lord, I pray that you'd allow us to do exactly what you'd have us to do. Guard my mouth and my mind, God, as I stand here. God, I pray that you'd let us be able to preach in power and authority the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, may we preach, thus saith the Lord. Lord, unashamedly, let us proclaim your word. Lord, we know that you're coming soon and we're so thankful. But God, we know that you are merciful. You are loving. You are kind. You are gracious. God, you bestow all of these things upon us. And Lord, I pray that you just touch in a great and mighty way this evening, God. Lord, touch me. Touch this congregation. Touch those that are watching by way of the internet. God, I pray that you'd help them. Lord, I pray that you'd just touch. God, use this message. Lord, to bring us, God, to a place to be able to know that we need to go out and tell others. Uh, Lord, uh, the others about the saving mercy, grace that you have given to each and every one of us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I'll go ahead and forewarn you, Brother Joel. Brother Joseph came to me tonight and said, Listen, we're having a special night here in Navigators, so can you do me a favor? Preach to 815 tonight. I think three people just had a heart attack over here in this section. We are not going to preach till 8.15. We're going to preach till God tells us to be done. Amen. But we are thankful to be able to get the green light on something like that. But here we are. We just go through the book of Jonah. There's only four chapters that we look at. And there's only four chapters that we can see in there. And God is doing this great thing, this fascinating uh, miracle, as, as we always talk about. When you look at Jonah chapter number 1, verse number 1 and 2, we read that. Look at verse number, chapter number 2. Look with me in chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jonah prayed unto the Lord out of the fish's belly. Look with me in chapter number 3, verse number 1. And the Lord, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah... A second time, saying, arise, verse number 2. And then chapter number 4, verse number 4. I want you to look at this verse with me. This one breaks my heart. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? It amazes me that a preacher preached probably the greatest recorded revival of all time and got angry about it was upset. Why? Because he didn't really truly want the people of Nineveh to come to God. As a matter of fact, when you get to chapter number 4, he says, God, this is exactly why I didn't want to come. This is exactly why I got on the boat and headed to Tarshish. That's exactly why. Because I didn't want the people of Nineveh to have repentance. They deserve everything that they get. And I'll be honest with you folks, we need to be careful because there's a lot of times that we kind of look at people and we say, they deserve. Oh my, I must be preaching to myself. Boy, they deserve what they're getting. How many of you like... They made, made, they made their bed. That's exactly what they did. They've been being mean to me. So therefore, they deserve everything they get. Whew. Aren't you glad that God didn't give us, Brother James, what we deserve? 
Aren't you glad that when I was, well, when you was a little boy, whenever you got saved, that God gave grace to you and when God gave you that mercy and God bestowed that, that the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, He also saved you. He also gave His Son for you. He shed His blood for you. He is able to save the uttermost from the guttermost. He is able to save those that are the worst of the worst. He is able to save those that are on any of those terrible lists that you look at. Boy, so many times I feel like, to be honest with you, when we talk of uh, people of church, we get so churched and we get so excited about how good we are and how great we are that we forget that where we came from. We forget that we were just like the people of Nineveh. We were just like the ones. We deserved a place in hell. But God gave mercy and grace. God gave exactly what each and every one of us really truly needed. And He did that. He prepared that great fish in chapter number 1, verse number 17. That it says that He prepared that great fish. But as you read Jonah, something that really sticks out to me is that that's not the, that's not the limited mighty power of God. It could be a great fish that God had prepared, but He also prepared a few other things when you look out throughout the book of Jonah. There's only four chapters that you look at. So I want us to look real quickly by way of introduction. What are the four things that He actually already had prepared? Well, number one, we've already said it in verse number 17 in the first chapter. He prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And he did just that. That great fish did his job. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Brother Steve. This amazes me that mankind are the only beings that God has created that has the audacity to tell God no. Get a hold of that. The great fish did exactly what it was supposed to do. The wind and the waves did exactly what it was told to do by God. When God created light and said, let there be light, the light that was able to come. The, everything that God says and everything that God commands, the demons of hell, when that demoniac came out of the graves and began to attack against all of them and he cast those demons out, those demons list, listened and did exactly what they were told to do. But yet mankind, we get the audacity to say, no, I'm not doing that. Say, Brother Shane, we really do that? Well, look at Jonah. Jonah was told, go to Nineveh. Go to a specific place. Go here and tell these people, judgment's coming. But yet he decided, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to go the other way. And God prepared that great fish to do that. Number two, we see this, that he prepared in chapter number four, verse number six, he prepared a great gourd. God brought that gourd upon. That's just when, I'll be honest with you, Jonah, he cracks me up. He pout, he's pouting. Y'all know people that pout? Don't point your fingers at me, Michelle Cannon. You know people that pout, they get their feelings hurt. All of a sudden, nothing's going their way and everybody seems like they're all against me. And then what's that little song I sing? Everybody loves me or everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I'm going to go eat some worms. Jonah was just a pouting. Jonah was just saying, well, fine. You're doing, I told you, God, you did exactly what I thought you would do. And I didn't want you to do that. I didn't get my, I didn't get my way. But God, in His mercy, 
Hallelujah. Think about that. And God in His mercy, even when Jonah was pouting, when God, I feel like having Bible study tonight. When Jonah was just pouting and Jonah was just showing himself and Jonah was saying, I didn't want that to happen. God, you shouldn't have done that. I wanted this to happen and you should have let this happen. I didn't want to preach to them and let them know that that would come. I just wanted it to let it happen. But then God said, I know how you feel, Jonah, but I still love you. I'm still going to give you the mercy, even though you don't deserve it. I'm giving you mercy. Why? I provide this big, great gourd that comes across and it shades you and it keeps you from the sun and it keeps you from the wind and it keeps you from the elements and it's going to protect you. It's going to give you protection. It's going to give you this uh, wonderful thing that you have. But then look at the very next verse. He goes on and it says, and God prepared a worm. What did the worm do? The worm came across and took away the provision that God had given to him. See, part of this shows that that mercy of God, he's trying to show Jonah the, the, the display, that mercy that he's showing to the people of Nineveh. I've showed you mercy, and then if I would have brought judgment upon them, then you're having to suffer because of the judgment that I've placed upon them. He's trying to show all this, but he's saying in mercy. But then that great worm that God prepares one more time, takes it away. And then in the very next verse, guess what he says? Then God prepared a great, a vehement east wind. Now, Brother Cecil, I did a little research on that east wind. So what's so big deal about it being an east wind? The vehement is just a, a, a terrible uh, wind that's coming across there. But the east wind would bring the heat in and the sand would come across that way. There would be terrible things. So all the elements were coming upon Jonah and they were having, and Jonah was just pouting, pouting, pouting one more time. And he's just saying, God, just, just let me die. Just let me die. And to be completely honest with you, Brother Michael, the most, the most terrible thing that I see in chapter number 4, that, that last verse, verse number 11, it ends with a question. Jonah never answers. We don't know what that end of that conversation was. We don't know what Jonah had to say. We don't know what had happened there, but God prepared that fish. God prepared that gourd. God prepared that worm. God prepared that great vehement east wind. He prepared all of that that we have. And you have to see the the absolute sovereignty of God, that God has His hand in everything. That God is taking care of and orchestrating, and moving. Boy, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) The night I got saved, I tell you all the time, I didn't go to get saved. I went, I went to play the drums and pick up girls. I was much skinnier back then, and I was only six. But I started early, hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, I really, really, truly wasn't going to pick up a girl. But I was, I was going to just play the drums. I was going to have a good time. I was going to do that, just, just that thing. But then God orchestrated it in such a way that the man of God that needed to preach the message that he had on his heart, that God placed on his heart, and put me over in the little amen corner with my dad over on the side of that little place and that little Friendship Baptist Church. And I heard the gospel. And I heard that Jesus Christ loved me. And I heard that Jesus Christ shed his blood for me. And I heard that if I didn't accept Jesus Christ, 
Christ as my Savior, I would die and go to hell that night. God orchestrated everything for me to be able to know that God loved me, God cared for me, God gave me an opportunity, and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. God orchestrates all of these things for us to come to a saving knowledge of Him. God orchestrates all of these things. I'm not telling you that God is not giving you a choice. You still have a choice. I had a choice that night. But I do know without a shadow of a doubt that God moved in a certain way to be able to see this great thing happen. You say, what's what's so great about this? The sovereignty, the mercy. Lamentations chapter number 3, verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. Boy, the mercy of God is so great. The mercy of God is so sweet. The sweet mercy of God is, is, is all part of this book. It, it tells us about what is all going on and why Jonah is, is writing. We, we don't even know if Jonah himself actually wrote this book. It doesn't really say that he, he doesn't ever claim that he wrote this book. And it may have even been that there's very little prophecy in this book, but he is, he is uh, telling a story of God's mercy and grace and And how good God is to even people that were not of the Israelite lineage at that time. God still cared for the Gentile people even during that time. And it's a scene that is set before a simple outline. We begin to look at this outline of the book. How do you outline this book? Well, first of all, the first chapter you see a rebellious preacher. Let's just be honest. Just because somebody preaches doesn't mean that they're perfect. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you are perfect. Somebody, every once in a while, everybody gets a rebellious idea. Jonah was being a rebellious preacher. He was doing exactly what God had told him not to do or went the exact opposite direction as to what God would do. You get to the second chapter, you see that Jonah is now in the belly of a whale and you see the repentant prayer in chapter number 2. Jonah comes to himself and realizes what he has done and begins to beg God for mercy, beg God for grace and, and, and for another opportunity. In chapter number, two, uh, chapter number 2, verse number 10, he actually gets that mercy, uh, being able to come out of that fish and then continue on. And then in chapter number 3, you see revival power break out. What amazes, what amazes me, Brother John is that when you get to chapter number 3, it's not saying that they believe Jonah. They didn't believe Jonah. They didn't believe what Jonah was saying. They believed what it says. They believed God. They believed what God said. Boy, there's a lot of people that are following preachers. There's a lot of people that are following whoever's in the pulpit. And, 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 and you shouldn't believe uh, and be a person follower. You shouldn't be a preacher follower. You should be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Brother Shane. That's right. There's revival power that breaks out. And it is by the grace of God. It is God Himself that breaks out that revival. Then verse chapter number 4, you see the reluctant preacher. He's upset. He's angry about that. Why? Well, you see that he's wanted that judgment to fall upon the people of Nineveh. You say, well, Brother Shane, is that really true? Is this really truly happened? Well, the person of Jonah is actually a true recorded person. Jesus Christ speaks of him in Matthew chapter number 12. 
As a matter of fact, when you look in 2 Kings chapter number 14, it actually speaks of Jonah as well as a prophet. As a prophet that had great influence. As a prophet and a preacher that had great influence, not only with the people of Israel, but with the king, Jeroboam II. He had great influence. Great things were happening because of the word of God that Jonah was preaching. And then all of a sudden, Jonah was given a different assignment. You're no longer here. You're going there. And that's when he pitched a holy fit. Didn't want to. The reluctant preacher that says, I knew that would happen. He's angry about it. Then also you see the program. Well, what is the program that God gave to him? He wants you to go and preach. The assignment was not desired one to be able to preach to the people of Israel any longer. He wanted to go and preach to somebody else. That's why I love missions so much. That's why I love to be able to send people out to mission field. Brother John and Brother Greg, we're going to be heading out to Florida tomorrow to a mission field to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody else. Brother Mike goes out and preaches the gospel to some of those juvenile people. We're so thankful for people that we support all over. Brother Steve Harper is able to go internationally and preach the gospel to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Jeff has gone and done things internationally to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Jonah was told to do. We can't select who we are to tell Jesus about. We are not to be selective in who we preach to, who we tell Jesus or to tell people about Jesus. We're not do, to do that. God has not given us a way to be able to tell salvation to some and not to others. Because according to Second Peter chapter number 3, he's not willing that any should perish, that, that all should come to repentance. Then you see the protest. What does Jonah get mad? He goes and... Jonah loved his people. He detested the people of Nineveh. He wanted judgment to fall on them. So he went his way and it cost him. And may I tell you, when you don't go the way of God, it will cost you. It cost him financially. He had to pay the fare, Brother John. It cost him Physically, because he was in the belly of a whale. The, the Bible even talks about how the weeds, the seaweed was wrapped around his head. The things that were all about his body. Can you imagine being in this? Let's don't go there. Ugh. I, I can't even be around a kid that gets sick, let alone, my heavens. Got one of those weak stomachs. Or at least I use that as an excuse when the kids got sick. I hope she don't watch this. I'm going to be in trouble. But we look at, we see that it cost him financially, it cost him physically, and it cost him spiritually. Why? Because in the first chapter he's saying he's trying to run, trying to run from the presence of God. You can go as far as you want to, but you will never get away from the presence of God. 
You will never go far enough to be away from the presence of God. You will never... You will never drink enough, or you will never shoot up enough drugs, or you will never do enough of whatever that you, whatever that vice is that you're trying to get away from the presence of God. You will never do enough to be able to get away from God. But I want to tell you that God doesn't want to get away from... Hallelujah. God doesn't want to get away from you. You may want to get away from the presence of God. You may think that, boy, the things are going wrong and I don't want God to be able to know what's happening. But God knows, God cares, God loves, and He just wants to continue to love you and care for you and bring you into Himself, be able to have Him uh, to come through. But then while you see that, it leads you to another thing. It leads you to a pursuit. What is the pursuit? The pursuit of God going after Jonah. The backslidden preacher that was continuing to try to get away from the presence of God. God in His mercy and His grace and His love continued to go after him. I have known people that have tried to get away from God. I have known people that have tried to get away from the church that they have been a part of and try to get away from everything that they thought of. But thank God, God has never gotten... God has never given up on them. That God has not ever said that, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. He pursues them. He comes after them. Thank God that we have a loving God that will continue to pursue us every step of the way. So real quickly, real quickly, what are the things that we begin to see? That when, what happens when God is pursuing us? Well, first, number one, you're going to have a message of God. The message of God that is so sweet, that's so quiet, kind. The message of God that God gave to me when I was a little boy. And the message of God that gave to you when you were uh, lost in your sin. But then all of a sudden, God gave you mercy and grace. And God gave you the message. And the messenger that came along. Chapter number 1, verse number 2, simply reads like this. Arise and go to Nineveh. There was a challenge for him to go to a specific people and a specific place. Hey, I'm glad that God has called us for a specific purpose. You say, Brother Shane, I don't know what my purpose is on, on this lifetime. I can tell you that if you get in the Word of God and you get on your knees and you begin to pray and you begin to do business with God, God is going to tell you exactly what you are supposed to do. Now, it may not be something you want to. It may not be exactly what you thought. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm nowhere where I thought God would have me someday. I'm not complaining. I think it's a wonderful thing. It's better than what I ever thought of. Better than what I'd ever dreamed of. But thank God that there's a message from God that He will tell us exactly what he wants us to do. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Boy, there's a call to go to those people. Cry against them and tell them, we still need to stand and say, thus saith the Lord. We don't need to continue to tiptoe around. We don't need to continue to step on eggshells. And tell people that if you just do this or if you just do that, then everything's going to be all right. Brother Greg, I believe that so many people are going to hear the messages of do this and do that and do this. You go ahead and be a church member. You go ahead and get baptized. You go ahead and just uh, tithe. And you go ahead and you do these sort of things. You shake your hand with the preacher. You begin to talk just right. You put your suit on and you start walking down the aisle in a certain way. You do this and you get all your... T's crossed and your eyes dotted and everything's going to be fine. But then I'll be honest with you, Brother Barrios, I believe that there's a lot of people that are going to split the gates of hell because
because they thought they were doing right in a pew. They thought they were doing right in a baptismal pool. They thought they were doing right coming down to an altar and shaking somebody's hand. But here I am to tell you that God tells us that that is not the way, that is not the truth, that is not the life, that Jesus Christ is the only way, that Jesus Christ is the only truth, that Jesus Christ is the only life. And thank God that we have that truth that we can know when the message of God has not changed. The message of God has not gotten watered down anymore. We need to stand and proclaim the Word of God, the message of God, that God still loves, cares, and has died for us that we might have eternal life. Hallelujah for Bible study time. The message of God, the call of God that He has in the message and His compassion. At the end of that verse, it says, For their wickedness has come up before me, but I'm going to give mercy. The message of God is so clear. What is that? Number two, the mercy of God. Aren't you glad you receive mercy? Hmm. So glad that God has given me mercy. Look at verse number 17 in chapter number 1. Chapter number 1, verse number 17. And the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Say, Brother Shane, you just said the mercy of God, and now you just told us that Jonah got swallowed by a great fish. How is that having mercy? Because God didn't let him perish. God didn't let him go to the depths and just forget about him. Aren't you glad God didn't forget about you? Aren't you glad that God didn't forget about you? Aren't you glad that you, you were always on God's mind? Even in the day that Jesus Christ was on, hanging on the cross, I believe with all of my heart, Brother Jim, I believe with all my heart that Shane Roy, my face, my, my, my being came through his thought and said, I'm doing this for him. It came through one of you, every one of you that Jesus Christ died for. Every one of us, he has thought of us and loved us and cared for us. And thank God, it's not just a song, but boy, how wonderful a thought that it is. It is that we were on his mind when he was on that cross. And he did that just for us in mercy and in grace that he gave to us. He didn't let us perish. That's mercy. You realize that I could have died before I was six years old. Not long ago, Brother Joel breaks my heart. Not long ago, I did a funeral for an 80-year-old lady. And next week, did the funeral for a three-year-old little boy. God gave mercy. God gave mercy to me. When I realized that I needed a Savior, when I realized that the only way that I could get to heaven is trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, He gave me mercy, gave me a little space of grace. Gave me a nail in the holy place to hold on to. Gave me the mercy that I was able to have. And there's a deliverance that we have in chapter number 2. Look at two, chapter number 2, verse number 10. The mercy of God delivers. How is that? And the Lord spake to the fish. And here's my word. It vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now Heather's going to get all over me for saying that. But get your Bible out, baby. Read chapter number 2 of Jonah, verse number 10. It's in the Bible. How is that merciful? Because he delivered him. It brought him out of that place that he was. How many of you remember the day that you got saved? 
Hallelujah. Thank God. I'm glad people in here remember the day they got saved. How many of you remember where you were when you got saved? How many of you remember? Glory to God. I'm getting excited. How many of you remember the, the state that you were in? Oh, Brother Richard, aren't you glad God showed mercy to you? Aren't you glad somebody knocked on your door and told you about Jesus Christ? And the day that you didn't know what was going on and you were were least expecting it, Brother Joe, aren't you glad that God showed you mercy and God gave you grace and said, I'll deliver you, I'll bring you out of whatever you're in the middle of or the problems that you are in and the problems that you are having. I'm going to bring and bring mercy to you and give mercy to you. And then that's the exact same way in Romans chapter number 12. It tells us that I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, By the mercies of God. Brother Mike, we could stand here all day and preach about the mercies of God. We could stand here and preach about how great and wonderful God's mercy has been to each and every one of us. But the mercies of God. Boy, the mercies of God that God gave to me is the same mercy that God gave to you. Glory to God. I'm thankful that we have the mercy of God. That boy, and, and that's the reason that we present ourselves a living sacrifice. That's the reason that we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason. Why? Because God's mercy is upon our life. Mercy of God also is forgiving. Look at chapter number 3 with me, verse number 2. What does he say? Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Wow. Preach it, proclaim it, tell forth. Thing I love about this is in verse number one, chapter number three, verse number one, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Noah or Jonah, excuse me, a second time. I'll be honest with you, the first time God ever dealt with me, I accepted Christ as my Savior. The first time I ever remember being dealt with. But there's some of you that'll probably be able to come to me and say, I ran from God for six months. I ran from God for Two years. I ran from God. I didn't get the first time God knocked on the door of my heart. I didn't accept Christ as my Savior. I kept on going. I kept on going. I tried to reject Him. But He pursued you. He still continued. In His mercy came after you. Then all of a sudden, it came a second time. Arise. Go to Nineveh. Preach what I'm going to be telling you to preach. Proclaim what I have told you to proclaim. Boy, the mercy of God is so wonderful. But look at this. There's the move of God. What is the move of God? Look with me in Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 5. Jonah chapter number 3, verse number 5. It says, so the people of Nineveh, here we go. I think you should underline, highlight, put a square around, circle. However you bring notes, whether it needs to be pink, green, yellow, marker, whatever you do. If you write in your Bible... These next two words. And the people of Nineveh believed God. It was God that moved. It wasn't, it wasn't because Jonah showed compassion on the people of Nineveh. It wasn't because Jonah said, listen, I love y'all and I want to tell y'all that if y'all don't turn from your wicked ways, that God is going to send judgment upon you. No, it wasn't Jonah. It was God. 
And Brother Ray Hill, when I preached, when he was preaching and I got saved, it wasn't Brother Ray Hill that saved me. The preacher that was preaching the day you got saved, the person that witnessed to you, is not the person that saved you. The one that saved me, Brother Mike, is God Almighty. Lord Jesus Christ. The one that died for me, the one that gave his life for me, the one that stayed three days in the grave and came up victorious over death, hell, and the grave and is now seated on the right-hand side of the Father making intercession for you and for me. Thank God that that's the one that saved me and the move of God is exactly what we need during this day. Boy, Brother Richard prayed, uh, Lord, I want you to send revival upon our church, send revival to our homes, send revival to this community that is in our land. It's the move of God that's going to happen. It's not the charisma of a preacher that's going to bring revival. It's not the singing of the most talented people that's going to be able to bring revival. But the move of God, the Holy Spirit of God sweeping in, that is what's going to bring revival. That's exactly what's going to happen when we're Whenever we give our life over to Him and just say, God, we're going to get out of the way and let you move the move of God, will make great things happen. That's what happened here. What did it do? It changed the people. I guarantee you when the move of God happens, it's going to change you. Chapter 3, verse number 10, it says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil, and He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. There's mercy. Why? Because the people responded to the message of God. The people responded to the mercy of God. The move of God caused the people to have a change in their life. Why am I so concerned about the people and churches that fill churches? Brother James, why am I so concerned that when I read statistics that 76.4% of Americans are Christians, why do I not believe that? Because if I believe that the move of God, the same move of God, Brother John, that happened in my life, happened in 76.4% of Americans, their lives, America would not be having the problems they're having. The move of God that needs to take place is not a feel-good feeling. The move of God that needs to take place in churches is not a uh, happy-go-lucky. But the move of God that needs to take place is conviction. A contrite heart. Broken spirit. That is what needs to take place. The move of God will come in and change people's Lives, But then also, what does it do? It, it, it changed their eternity. It changed mine. Look at the very last verse in the book, John, Jonah chapter number 4, verse number 11. God is having a conversation with Jonah. Jonah's upset. Jonah's kind of got, started to give the silent treatment. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city? But look at this. Wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. 
over 120,000 people, should I not should I not show mercy on them? The move of God changed the eternity of six score thousand persons. The Bible actually says in chapter number three that they they begin to repent, they begin to put ashes in sackcloth, they begin to turn from their wicked way from the king to the greatest and to the youngest. Well, how many of you would like to see a revival take place? We're from the most matured, eldest Christians. Till you get back to the, that hallway. We're about 50 kids probably back there playing and learning about Jesus Christ. Revival take place there and then move over to another building for the youth for truth. Brother Tom is preaching to them and telling them about Jesus Christ and telling them how good God is and how he wants to save them. Even over to this gap group where they're being told about how great God is and the mercy of God and the, the, the goodness of God. Boy, what if everybody on this... Back to the nursery. Now, I'm mainly talking to the nursery workers probably, but I'm joking, I'm joking. But back to the nursery. Something happens. The move of God takes place. All over this place. I guarantee you. you would, we wouldn't be able to handle it. It would absolutely amaze us. But you know what I'm praying for? Lord send revival. God send revival. Here. God send revival. Number one here. Me. You need to pray that same thing. God send revival here in me. So then it'll spread to my house. Then it'll spread to my family. Then it'll spread to our church. And it'll spread to our schools. And it'll spread to our community. It'll spread all over. I believe, Brother Lonnie, I believe that revival can take place. We just need to get in the right mindset. Say, God, change me. Use me. God send revival. Any way, form, or fashion that you choose to send revival. See, many of the great revivals that took place over in Wales, there was a brother that began to pray. And as his brother began to pray, he was in the same room, and the brother, his brother that was in that same room with him in Wales did not have a, a large room. They, as a matter of fact, slept in the same full-size bed, so... His brother began to pray, and he would begin to pray all night long. That one man prayed. And he told his brother, listen, now, you're going to have to figure out a different place to pray because I've got to get some sleep. I can't, I can't sleep because you're praying all night long. And then he said, no, I'm just going to keep praying for revival. So, Brother Charles, guess what? The next brother, he said, well, I'm not going to get any sleep, so I might as well start praying too. So then two brothers started praying. And then guess what? The room next to them, they're not getting any sleep, so we might as well start praying too. And before long, and I, this is amazing to me, I actually have a copy of a piece of a, 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 a paper, a newspaper, that is talking about the revival in Wales. And all that is on this piece of paper, all is in this news column, is this person got saved and this bar got closed. 
This person got saved and this brothel is no longer open. This person got saved and these bars are no longer doing business here. This people got... Wow. Wouldn't you like to pick up the Atlanta Journal-Constitution? They're not talking about shootings. They're not talking about the murders. They're not talking about the thievery. They're not talking about the government. But all they're talking about is revival. Wow. I wonder how many of you would say, I know, I know, I know it's already past, we're in overtime, it's already past 8 o'clock. I'm sorry, three minutes. But how many of you would say, Brother Shane, I want to see that kind of revival. I want to see the kind of revival that takes place in our sanctuary, goes over to the Timothy building, goes back to the navigators, goes over to the gap, goes and just covers this whole place. I wonder how many of you be willing to just say, I'll start praying. I'll start praying. Why don't we just gather in this altar and we can start together. There's more than two of us. There's more than three of us. We could just pray in this altar, say, God, just send revival. Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father.